Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Ministry in modern society, it presents a perpetual assault on the pastor's soul. Culture has changed, if you think about this. Culture has changed, so the landscape's different. Mm-hmm. And the challenges of ministry have, have changed along with it. And, and many new pastors, too, are discovering that they're ill-equipped to manage these, well, how do I put it? Uh, unexpected or soul health tensions of ministry. In other words, they are depleted. They're giving out all the time, yes. and they're not making the deposits. It's all withdrawals and, and very few deposits. That's a problem. It's really a problem, and it's a problem, obviously, for pastors and their wives, but also for the mom with toddlers and so many others of us. Anybody who's following mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, if you're, you're pursuing the Lord— uh, you want to serve him. I mean, all of these motives are great, but you can find yourself running tired, become discouraged. I mean, disappointment is inevitable, but discouragement really is a choice. Kerry Schmidt is a pastor. He knows all about this. This book should be on your radar, even if you're not in full-time vocational ministry. The principles are applicable across many avenues in, in many ways. Steady strength, reversing ministry's dangerous drift toward depletion. This book is, uh, the heart of the book is is directed toward pastors, uh, you know, pastors who are new or maybe pastors who are running tired. Uh, they've been a pastor for decades. But this principle of, of not being depleted so that you're running tired and you're burned out, I believe that the principles that you bring up in this book are applicable to all of us as followers of Jesus. Would you agree with my assessment? Uh, absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I needed a target audience, and I live the life of a pastor, and I feel that pastors are in trouble. Um, often I talk to discouraged pastors, but as I was writing the book, I'm thinking, man, this can really help anybody that's in a high expenditure lifestyle or vocation, um, anybody looking for that healthy balance. There's so much we could get into, and as it is with any of our conversations here, guys, we're just scratching the surface, but hopefully it encourages you to dig deeper. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about the fact that uh, we feel inadequate, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know, where do we get our adequacy as followers of Jesus and pastors in particular? Um, we all feel inadequate to to serve the Lord. I mean, first of all, we're we're all saved by grace through faith, uh, and we know that's true, sinners who are redeemed, but... When God calls us to something, there's this sense of, it is, I just, you know, I'm daunted by all of this. It's like Mm -hmm. Moses, you know, uh, Lord, Mm -hmm. could you send somebody else? How do we deal with that feeling of insufficiency? Well, Paul says our adequacy is from God. Maybe that's the answer? You know, it it is, but the problem with that is we know that intellectually, but this nagging its efficiency, this nagging sense of pervasive weakness still kind of drives us at our core. So it's, how do we move that head knowledge down to our hearts? How do we, and I just call it in the book, embracing insufficiency. Um, it's just this annoying companion that's with me every day. When I wake up, I, you know, I just realize I am in over my head. Um, and I think the deliverance is realizing my church family doesn't need to see a sufficient pastor. They need to see and understand and know a sufficient Savior. 
And my, my responsibility is, in a sense, to model gospel-shaped insufficiency, <laughs> you know, dependence mm-hmm. on a strong Savior. They don't need me to be strong. They need me to let them know I'm depending on the one who is strong. This is, uh, this is right out of your book. Generally, ministry leaders all face two types of personal disappointments, early and later disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early disappointment thinks something like this. This is not what I thought it would be. Later mm-hmm. disappointment thinks, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point. How do we handle each one of those? And again, applicable to all of us, maybe. At both of those points are so, they're, they're like defining moments. So every young leader or young spiritual leader influencer gets into ministry with an idea of what it's going to be. And it is so much, in many ways, it's so much harder, but in many ways, it's so much more wonderful as well. Um, so, but it's just different. The, the, the struggle, the spiritual battle, um, and the, the sustainability of, of your soul through that later in life, you, you hit this you know, 10, 15, 20 years in, and I, I've been at it 34 years. You just hit this place where you're like this. I'm not where I thought I would be by now. And the answer to both of those is how did you define what were your expectations? What was your motivation? Um, and how do you find success? What, how do you define it? I call that, in part one of the book, we really just explore what I call the motivational and aspirational core of our lives. Because if we're chasing the wrong things, or if we're being motivated by the wrong things, then it's just, there's no other way uh, to go except for to disappointment. So it's it that, that's a deep part of the book. <laughs> A critical question surfaces, and we're talking about disappointment. Will I obey God if it means my script, my plan goes into the shredder? Um, so then it's a definition of what is success. And you say, you know what? Obedience is success. I need to be willing to let God write my story. I am in this place at this time by his divine appointment, and I will embrace this. And I know there again, all the stuff we're talking about is a lot easier to talk about than it is to live out, but we need to start somewhere. Yeah, the idea of just yielding to the story that God is writing is so uh, life-shaping, it's so liberating, because here's the deal. Uh, if 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 I'm trying to write my own story, I've reversed the narrative and and I'm getting I'm trying to get God to follow me. I'm like, "Hey Jesus, follow me." I might even have uh good intentions, good motivations. I might even be chasing spiritual outcomes. Um but at the end of the day, I'm still trying to write the story myself. What that means is that I've doubled I've really doubled my problems. Number 1, I'm not living the story that God is writing. So there's just this low-grade resistance call it rebellion, call it idolatry if you want to. There's, It's just pervasive. It's just always there like a low-grade fever. And, and, I'm, and while I'm trying to force God into my story, I'm kind of missing the one that he's actually writing. So I'm not getting the one I want, and I'm not experiencing the one he's writing. And boy, when I let that struggle go and just collapse into God's script— 
uh, everything begins to take on a different uh, reality. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned success, I just want to, I was reading something the other day talking about, wouldn't it be great if we valued success or uh, made success be how many people feel safe in your presence? Hmm. And wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be a good way to illustrate God to people, to be, say, come on in, he's safe, so we are. Oh, that would be that's that's the gospel. The gospel yeah. is good good news saying run into my arms. Jesus is always someone to run to, never someone to run from. Yeah. Finding great delights in just obeying Jesus. You know, the personal dreams, they will fail us in all kinds mm-hmm. of different ways. But mm-hmm. God's work continues forward. He works within us before he works things out through us, and that means results are sometimes hard to see or or track. If we're looking for results, uh, we can be very discouraged. And as we think about pastors, what about the pastor who has been faithfully pastoring his flock? Maybe he's got a small church down the street from the mega church, and he's not seeing it grow, or maybe it's declining. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, well, then the sometimes I don't want to um, I don't want to be too uh, general in my comment here. But sometimes you will have well-meaning folks within the church talk to these pastors and say, well, you need to get your church healthy and healthy things grow. Well, I understand the principle behind that, but what about God's sovereignty in all of this? What do you say to that pastor? Well, I, I'm with you in that. So there's these desires that we have. We, you know, Everybody wants their church to grow. Everybody wants to see good results, good fruit. But um, God, God has a providential. He has a sovereign way of leading His church, doing what He wants to do in a given congregation through a given pastor. And so, uh, who are we to try to d- uh, define for God the metrics? Uh, the outcomes are His. The fruit is His. He cultivates the fruit. It's His church, and it's it's on me to simply choose to be content with what He does through my obedience. And we, in the book, we use some really important biblical examples. Think of Ezekiel. He wanted to be a a priest in Jerusalem, but at his 30th birthday, he finds himself on a riverbank in Babylon, last Mm -hmm. place any faithful Jewish person wanted to be, but he was right in the center of God's will. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Carrie, you opened the book with a uh, a metaphor out of real life, really, and it had to do with a robin that was a bit stunned as it flew into the window. And the way that you draw a connection here with some of the points that you're trying to make in the book, I think, is genius. Share the story with us. Yeah, I was uh, up one morning early studying at my uh, breakfast table. It's kind of a picture window looking out over a pretty hillside. And I want to say it was early fall, but I was just immersed in study. And suddenly this loud thud just right uh, to my right against the window. And I thought, oh, no, another bird. Because it's pretty regular basis. We find a dead bird on the sidewalk. And and uh, I got up and I was like, okay, I'm going to go remove the bird, but he wasn't dead. And he was sitting there. He really hit that window hard. I don't know how he survived, but he was sitting there just kind of breathing. And I, I bring the story out much uh, greater length in the book, but I sat there 
I got kind of mesmerized by this bird. What's he going to do? Is he going to die? Is he going to fly away? The other birds were darting in and out, kind of, it seemed like they were trying to communicate with him. I mean, it was a, a beautiful choreography and artistry. And after 20 or 30 minutes, uh, that bird hopped a little bit, and then finally he flew away again. And I just began to think, man, have I been there in ministry where you're flying forward and suddenly you just hit a window. You didn't even see it coming. You just hit a wall that, that was transparent to you, and uh, you're, you're on a sidewalk, you know, catching your breath. So I just say to the pastors or leaders reading the book, let's sit on the sidewalk for a while and take inventory of what's going on in our lives and what God's doing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about slipstreaming, because when you highlight that principle as well, it's it's very helpful. Let's talk about what slipstreaming is and how to apply it. Yeah, it is the idea of Jesus saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the illustration he gives is to take his yoke upon us. Now, to an ancient reader, this was a simple metaphor of there's a strong ox, there's a weaker ox, a younger ox, a less experienced ox. So the strong one's doing the heavy pulling, and the young one is training and kind of Uh, working synergistically. Well, the modern principle I use in the book is drafting or slipstreaming. Uh, Aerospace industry understands that a jet flying behind another jet can kind of get caught up in the momentum, the the lead jet, or it could be a a truck, you know, a motorcyclist behind a truck. But the, the object that's following is able to sustain the same momentum with far less exertion because the lead object is really moving the molecules and bearing the brunt of the hard work. And so I think there's two ways to do ministry. Uh, There's one that's sort of out in front of Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, follow me and be impressed with the fact that you have me working for you. Um, The other is to be weak and get behind him. Um, And it's learning how to be there Learning how to stay there is uh, is a challenge, but wow, it is such a different experience. And we need the freedom. Pastors need the freedom from the expectation of, okay, well, my definition of success is fill in the blank, because comparison is a game at which no one wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, well, yeah, there's always somebody that's got a bigger church or more fruit or more success, however we define it. Uh, I mean, and then there's social media that just reminds me all the day, all the time that everybody else's life is better than mine. So at some point, I just have to rest behind the momentum that Jesus is generating and be content in him and content and find my delight as we talked about in obeying him. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share your story of how God moved you guys. I believe it was from California to the Northeast. And this was after a bout of uh, cancer. You had to deal with cancer, mm-hmm. and you were at a moment of great weakness when God called you to a very difficult task. Tell us how that played out. Yeah, I'm a little bit ashamed of, of how I approached this, but yeah, it was a one-year battle with cancer. God healed me. We had, Our kids were in, in their teen years and, and uh, late elementary, early college. And after that year, God began to say, your time here in a Mega church in Southern California is closing. We, 22 years we were there. We loved every second and just thrived there. And God 
began to point us uh, and direct us to a revitalizing work just south of Hartford, right in the middle of oh. Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, Newington. And the church was, uh, it's a very long story, but very providential. I was terrified. I felt extremely weak. I felt that this, I was not a senior pastor uh, type, never believed that I would be the senior pastor of a church, resisted for a while, negotiated with God for a while. Uh, he was relent- graciously relentless, and uh, he ended up, I uh, finally surrendered, and uh, in August of 2012, we came to 93 people in a room that seats a 1,000. And uh, wow. in, a, in a ministry that was losing about $20,000 a month with about five months of reserve savings before insolvency, and God just began to write a story that I could have never imagined. Wow. We get back to God writing the story and how mm-hmm. vitally important that is. And that's why I was saying, guys, that uh, what Carrie is, is sharing here, it's applicable to each and every one of us as we mm-hmm. follow the Lord. These these principles that he outlines are so, so vitally important. But those who, uh, and all of us are in ministry, but there are some who are in full-time vocational ministry, the danger always is um, I'm always giving out, I'm pouring out, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. never taking in that you're going to wake up one day and realize I'm I'm sending the bucket down in the well, you know, to the bottom of the well, and I'm bringing it back up again and there's nothing. And I keep sending it down. There's nothing. In other words, there's nothing in the well. How can I give anybody something I myself do not have? Mm -hmm. And all you end up with are cliches and burnout. Mm -hmm. It's so predictable and it's so avoidable. Burnout is the inevitable uh, wall that we hit in an unsustainable um, ministry role or or, or, or culture. Um, but in the book, I just try to make the case that the strength of Jesus is a perpetual resource and it is a renewable resource. But if I'm going to experience it, I need to partake. I, I need to consume the energy, the, the, the strength, the water, the living water that he is offering me. Um, and there's there. It's so important that we give attention to the replenishing, um, so that we're receiving more than we're burning. You know, it's 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 just like putting gas in your vehicle, but more complicated. Yes, mm-hmm. and a lot easier said than done mm-hmm. for for many of us because a lot of us are Type A personalities. We just want to get out there and get it done for God. I need to do work. For God. Uh, you know, I'm going to do big things for God. That mindset can get you in the ditch. Oh, it really can. And those of us that are on that track, you know, the, the type A, I want, to, I want to be effective. I want to be fruitful. I don't think that's wholly uh, all, all bad. I think there, there's a lot of good motive uh, written in that. I think God's put it in us. I think that we just need to surrender that to him and make sure that we're cultivating souls that are sustainable, sustainable strength, sustainable trajectory and pace. And God gives us the permission to do that. We need to have that strong inner core, and you talk about that in the book. And you, Okay, so what are the components? Embrace insufficiency, seek Jesus, delight in obedience, we talked about that, celebrate gospel durability, and grow a gospel identity. Let's talk about the last two here on the tail end. Uh, gospel durability, what do you mean by that? 
it it means that God's good news, God's the gospel is the good news that always transcends every possible bad news. And so we, we are to be heralds of good news. That's what we are by definition. We preach and teach the gospel. And so that same gospel needs to define us, and we need to realize on our worst days, our best days, it all comes back to we are, we are people that have been brought into the good news of God, and we have a happy ending to our story, and we always have something to celebrate that is greater than whatever negatives are unfolding in our lives or in our ministries. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. So that's just, again, we're just scratching the surface on this, guys, mm-hmm. but you have a taste for this. And then we also, uh, well, Carrie also talks about in the book, you know, how uh, how do I look at my physical health? You know, how am I doing uh, physically and uh, emotionally and, and all of that? So first things first, though, you have to have that strong inner core and put those things in place. And then uh, you can grow uh, and flourish, not just grow, but flourish and be very fruitful out of that. And again, guys, just, just kind of a reminder, friendly reminder, your definition of what it means to be fruitful could be different from what God's definition means to be fruitful. I think yes. about it. I think it was Edward Kimball was uh, with speaking of the Northeast. He was working in the shoe store with D.L. Moody, our founder, and uh, he led, uh, led uh, D.L. Moody to Christ. And so everybody knows, generally speaking, who Moody is. But what about uh, Edward Kimball? A lot of people don't even know about him. But look, look how fruitful he was by being obedient where God placed him and not rushing. And, and we don't know, you know, his, his life. And I'm just saying, if he just was happy to be there and, Lord, you open the door of opportunity and I'm going to just flourish in my relationship with you, God brings the opportunities to us, and look what he did. He could have said to himself, you know, well, I just shared Jesus with a fellow, you know, with a co-worker. But look what happened through D.L. Moody and how many thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives were changed during his lifetime and then today through uh, Moody Bible Institute and what we're doing here at Moody Radio. So never underestimate the day of small beginnings. Ooh, that's Mm -hmm. biblical as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. It, yeah, every bit of it. So good. Yeah. It's like right. the O-ring in in the Challenger. That little piece is what blew it up. Yeah, it was we a, could be it those made a big little difference. pieces, but yeah. if we have to be sturdy. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Hey, Carrie, I, I want to thank you for writing this book, and uh, I wish we could have you on for another two hours because there's so much I want to chat with you about, but that's good reason for people to pick up the book. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for being transparent, and uh, the Lord is is using you greatly uh, as I'm reading through it, and I know other people will probably say amen to this. So thank you, my friend. Well, thank you for your encouragement, for having me on today, and for what you both do, and I do pray the book will be a blessing and encouragement to God's servants. Thanks for listening to Curtin Gate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.